Well, you know what I think. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to deny that. I do want everyone to feel comfortable, and that's why I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. Please do not go religious. Somebody's going to hell over there. He better not. Even the devil will speak the truth for, for his own purposes. This is war. Accept it. Back to Jerusalem podcast. Yeah, I'm back, and I'm armed with righteousness. With your host, Eugene Bach. He just seems like he's got it all figured out. He's a righteous dude. Yep. Hello and welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, and I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of Guangdong, China. This particular episode is about North Korea, and this is this is kind of the inside scoop. We're giving you information, compiling it together so that when you are praying for North Korea and the Back to Jerusalem missionaries who are working in North Korea, you can know a little bit more about the circumstances that they are living in and working in, more than what you would probably find from a normal media broadcast. So this is the North Korea inside scoop. And today is a special day for North Korea um, because their news just came out literally a minute ago uh, from the time that I'm doing this podcast. When you hear this podcast, obviously, it will be live on delay. So delayed from today. About a minute ago on the 13th of June, we had the information that Dennis Rodman had arrived in um, it'd be the 12th of June in the U.S. on U.S. time when it's actually being reported. But here in China, where Dennis Rodman is currently, just a little bit north of me in Beijing, uh, Dennis Rodman is on his way back to North Korea for a little bit of what they like to call basketball diplomacy. And we all know how that worked out uh, last time he was in North Korea. So Dennis Rodman, by the way, if you don't know, Dennis Rodman is a good friend of the current president, President Trump. So I'm assuming that he has not left the United States for this uh, visit without permission from the White House. That's my assumption. I cannot be positive of that, but I don't think that he would leave without permission from the White House because if anything did happen, it would be very difficult to justify helping this guy get out of North Korea. Um, he is a good friend with Donald Trump. If you ever watched the reality TV show that President Trump did called uh, The Apprentice, Dennis Rodman was on The Celebrity Apprentice where he raised funding for a charity. I don't remember what that charity was. I did watch that season of The Celebrity Apprentice together with my wife. My wife and I, we like to relax. When I come home, I travel more than 300 days a year. And one of the ways that I like to relax is I like to watch brain-dead reality TV show. I don't want to watch any uh, fictional series. No matter how good the series is, I usually don't want to watch I just don't want to become invested. One of the things I like about reality TV shows is that I can watch them without – uh, worrying about whether I missed an episode or not. I can miss an episode or two or three or four, which is usually the case with me in my travel schedule. But my wife can and I can come together and, and kind of um, uh, relax. <laughs> we can – I was getting ready to say debrief. I don't debrief my wife. She's not in the military. That was almost the word that I was going to use, but I stopped. Uh, but we, we were able to relax and kind of – just forget about everything because I, I, I like to go brain dead right around uh, 7, 30, 8 o'clock in the evening because I'm an early morning riser. I, my brain goes dead in the evening and real, reality TV show allows me to basically be in a, veg, a state of vegetation. And so with 
with, you know, if I don't see an episode or so of a reality TV show, it's not that big of a deal. I kind of know the concept, what's going on, and I can pick up right, almost right where I left off without worrying about whether I missed anything or not. Uh, Dennis Rodman was on The Celebrity Apprentice, and he, and you could see that there was a relationship between um, Donald Trump and Dennis Rodman, like one that that where they had a closer relationship than the other people that just merely showed up on the show. Well, he traveled to North Korea already a couple years ago under uh, President Obama, not officially, but again for this idea of basketball diplomacy where they went and I think there were several guys that traveled together with Dennis Rodman and they played basketball. Uh, one of the things and, – and, and then there was this time where they were on the basketball court where um, Kim Jong-un came out to watch – the basketball game take place and Dennis Rodman, who's wearing a blue jersey and a white t-shirt comes out and sings happy birthday to the president, which caused a lot of uproar around the world. This is, this is what it sounded like. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to my show. Happy birthday to you. Bear in mind. Yeah, so this was um, this was the happy birthday song that Dennis sang to the president um, uh, Kim Jong Un, and he he didn't refer to him as in his name. That he referred to him instead as uh, the marshal, um, which is an endearing term that the locals use. And then right after that. Uh, Dennis was on TV, uh, doing a live interview from North Korea on CNN and things get a little testy because they think that he was drunk at the time. But there was a, there was a pastor by the name of Kenneth Bay. Um, there's a book about him that he has come out. It's an autobiography called Not Forgotten, The True Story of My Imprisonment in North Korea, where he talks openly about what took place with him when he was in North Korea, when he was in prison. Uh, he is a pastor who was there uh, sharing the gospel as well as helping with the humanitarian effort. So he was there helping people. The, when, when people say that they're sharing the gospel inside of North Korea, it is done in such a uh, clan clandestine manner. There's no overt um, uh, ministry that takes place. It's more covert. And because of that, there um, the, the reason why most missionaries are able to travel in there and get missionary status, or not missionary status, but get a visa that gives them a legal status inside of North Korea is because they are doing some sort of humanitarian effort. Now, I don't do humanitarian work when I travel into North Korea. I usually help start businesses, but even those businesses at the end of the day are humanitarian efforts because you're not making money. Most of the time, our businesses are losing money. So any business that purposefully loses money or at least continues on even though they're losing money is basically a charity no matter how you cut it. And so Kenneth Bay was there running mission work specifically focused on doing um, humanitarian work. But uh, when he was arrested, Dennis Rodman had a wonderful opportunity, a, a window of opportunity to be able to share on his behalf. 
uh, tried to influence the leader because the leader, Kim Jong-un, looks up to Dennis Rodman as one of his heroes. Uh, Kim Jong-un grew up uh, playing basketball, idolizing Michael Jordan, Dennis Rodman, the Chicago Bulls team uh, while in Switzerland. It's very well known that he is a huge NBA fan and loves to play basketball. So Dennis Rodman had a wonderful opportunity to uh, open up dialogue with Kim Jong-un and petition for the release of Kenneth Bay. But when when he was approached about Kenneth Bay while in North Korea, this is what he had to say to CNN. Effectiveness and influencing the people there, I hope it's a good cultural exchange. Dennis, let me end on this. You do have a relationship with this man. You've said it many times. We've seen it demonstrated yes. for whatever reason. Yes. Are you going to take an opportunity, right, right. if you get it, right. to speak up for the family of Kenneth Bay and to say, let us know why this man is being held, that this is wrong, that he is sick. If you can help, Dennis, will you take the opportunity? The one thing about politics... So he's, he's being asked specifically about Kenneth Bay. Will he take an opportunity to share about Kenneth Bay? A lot of this may sound ineligible. It may sound as if you're not really understanding. Well, that's because he's supposedly drunk at this time. And he later admits to having quite a bit to drink of the local alcohol prior to doing this interview, which probably was not um, a wise thing to do already. But there is a lot of things that he shares that I feel are important for you to know about this trip that he is doing in North Korea. It's kind of bad that way thing. If you understand, I got a guy. If you understand what Kid and Bay did, yeah. do you understand what he did? What did he do? You in tell this me. Country? You tell me, what did he do? And, and no, 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 you tell me. You tell me. Why is he held captive? They haven't released any country? charges. They haven't Why? released, they haven't released I, any I, reasons. I would, I would, I would, I would love to speak on this. Go ahead. You know, you got, you got, you got, you got 10 guys here, 10 guys here that have left their families, left their damn families. I apologize for some of the language. Um, if you are listening to this while traveling with children, you might want to either turn this off or skip it. The language does get intense. And we appreciate that, and we wish them yeah, well with cultural no, exchange. No, 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 I'm just saying, no, I don't give a shit what the, I'm going to rest ass what the hell you think. I'm saying to you, look at these guys here. Look at them. Yeah, but Dennis, don't put it on them. They don't use them as an excuse for the behavior that you're, they that you're putting on yourself. They came here. You, ju you just basically were saying that Kenneth but, Bay did something listen, wrong. You, we don't you, even you, know what can, the charges are. But, don't listen, use these guys listen, as a shield for you, you Dennis. Can, you, listen, listen. Listen, listen, oh, listen. Ain't no shield. I got it. Let me, let me do this. Really, really. I'm going to tell you one thing. People around the world, around the world, I'm going to do one thing. You guy behind the mic right now, we are the guys here doing one thing. We have to go back to America and take the abuse. Do you have to take the abuse? Well, we're going to take it. Do you, sir? Let me know. Are you going to take that bitch? We're going But guess what, Joe? One day, one day, this door is going to open. Because these 10 guys here, all of us, Christy, Ben, Dennis, Charles, all these guys, I mean, everybody here, 
we could just open the door just a little bit for people to come here and do one thing. And Dennis, and Dennis makes a great point. There are other Americans here on this. So the, Dennis is basically saying that um, Kenneth was arrested because he had done something wrong to the country. And he got very passionate about it, defending Kim Jong-un in North Korea for putting Kenneth Bay in prison for being a Christian, which is the reason why he was in prison. There is another pastor from Canada who is currently in prison uh, at this moment. Um, his name is Pastor Lim. He is the Canadian pastor of the Light Korean uh, Presbyterian Church in Canada. And since 2015, uh, he's been in prison and he was operating humanitarian efforts in North Korea, providing tens of millions of dollars worth of aid before disappearing in 2015. His family did not know what happened to him. His church did not know what happened to him. He was very passionate as a pastor. So he wasn't just sending out missionaries. He, as a pastor, was raising money from his church to use in North Korea, and he's been sentenced to life with hard labor for crimes against the North Korean regime. Now, the North Korean or the Canadian government has not had access to him since he's been arrested more than two and a half years ago. The only time that he's really been able to connect with anybody is with the Swedish embassy. The Swedish embassy acts as the main go-between for both America and Canada because neither America or Canada has a any diplomatic relation, official diplomatic relations with North Korea. So the Swedish embassy acts on behalf of the Americans and the Canadians. It's only manned by one person. So that's a very brave Swede um, that is currently serving as the ambassador inside of North Korea. And the fact that they have kept Kenneth Bay for more than two and a half years without any access at all from for someone from his own country is a serious violation of the Vienna Convention on Counselor Relations and the rights of states to have consular access to their citizens. Um, Pastor Leem has not been afforded that. So it'll be interesting to see if uh, Dennis Rodman brings this up or not as he is in North Korea. Stay tuned. We will continue to uh, keep you up to date about what's going on in North Korea and give you the inside scoop. At the moment, uh, we have several back to Jerusalem Chinese that are running businesses and one just started a new business inside of North Korea. And business inside North Korea is not easy. If any, I can't give you the details of what we've actually experienced with business because those details could lead to the arrest or the shutdown of the projects that we are currently doing inside of North Korea. If anyone from North Korea or an agent listens to these podcasts, which is very possible and probably highly likely that someone from the North Korean regime is listening to these podcasts to find out if there is any information that we are giving that would give them insight into the the information or details of the individuals that we currently have inside of North Korea serving inside of North Korea. But 
there are examples. There's real world examples that you can find out right now uh, that would that would give you an idea of what it is that the 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 back to Jerusalem missionaries are facing inside of North Korea. One of them would be the Egyptian company, the mobile company Oriscom. Oriscom is this Egyptian mobile company who saw an opportunity to go into North Korea and set up their communication, uh, telecommunications. Um, North Korea invited the Egyptian company to come. There were, there were not many people fighting to get that job. Trust me, because a lot of people know what is readily apparent, and that is North Korea is run by a brutal dictator. And if you have a successful business, they will take over and say, see you later. We, we were doing a project, a massive project that I, again, I can't give you details on, but it was a big project. It was a little bit uh, too big for my taste because I saw the writing on the wall when the project became too big. We were invited to come in with the Chinese and join in, and we did. We assisted with this business that was running inside of North Korea, but it was so big that we saw the writing on the wall that uh, anything of this size that that would raise the awareness or the antennas of the leadership inside of North Korea is going to be taken over by the North Koreans. So you might start the business. You might think you're the boss of the business, but that business will quickly go under because they will take over. It, it won't go under because it'll lose money. If it loses money, then it's all yours. You can continue paying the bill. But if it if it's effective, if it is successful, it will be taken over by the North Korean government, especially if it is sizable. That's why we try to keep most of our businesses at a micro investment level. This allows us to be able to have access into North Korea and have access to the people and and have a relationship with the people, ministering to the people, working with the people on a regular basis, and yet not highlight ourselves from the investment or the success becoming too big. So we have to even monitor our own success, and if something gets too big, we have to spread out. We have to take that success and use it to invest in other small micro-businesses. Um, so there's not a lot of businesses that are willing to take that risk or are willing to come in and do something successful, knowing that if they become successful, uh, it'll be taken over. But Oriscom, they had guts. They decided, let's go ahead and go in and set up because at the time, North Korea did not have the technology to build up a telecommunication system. So Oriscom came in, an Egyptian mobile company, and they set up a mobile telecommunications company inside of North Korea, giving uh, people access to mobile phones, messaging services, uh, allowing them to have communication from one part of the other to, uh, to the other with each other from using the cell phone towers that were built by Oriscom. Not even China went in to do this deal, which I find very telling. If China is not going to come in, to, they can make money at any time in any place. If they see a, a, no opportunity to make money, it's probably good to follow the lead of the Chinese. So the North Koreans began to use phones. In 2013, um, they got about 2 million people signing on to the Oriscom service. And it was Oriscom became the largest foreign investor inside of North Korea. Korea in the early 2010s. Now, this is this is amazing to me because China is on the border. China is one of the major investors, but um, Oriscom uh, be, outpaced the investment of even China. 
And there was this broken down, beat up, pyramid looking hotel inside of Pyongyang that was just looming, incomplete. It was a disaster and an embarrassment for the government of Pyongyang. And so Oruscom took it over and began to rebuild it. It was basically it needed to be torn down. It should have been just absolutely demolished and then rebuilt from there. The elevator shafts were crooked. So I don't know if you've ever been in a crooked elevator shaft, but the elevator shafts cannot go up and down when they're crooked. Um, I was in Chengdu during the earthquakes that took place in 2008. One of the hotels that I was staying at was a Chinese hotel. And when the earthquake took place while I was there in the hotel, the elevator shafts shifted and the elevators had to be shut down because the elevators could not go up and down because now the elevator shafts were crooked. That's when I took my butt over to a, an American hotel that actually had to meet the standards of China's construction. You know, a lot of buildings that are constructed inside of China don't always meet the standards and that the reason why is that the inspector is sometimes paid off or a good friend of the person actually doing the construction, the contractor. So when, if, if the construction, the co- contractor pays off the inspector, then basically you get away with a lot of stuff. That doesn't always happen. The international chains inside of China, especially in the 1990s, were held to a much more demanding policy. So and of course Holiday Inn did not and and Crown Plaza did not pay these bribes because it's not a part of their official policy and China knew that they wouldn't pay those bribes so they made sure that the inspectors caught every little thing that was wrong with the construction and made the foreign chains pay for it so I took my butt straight down to the Holiday Inn in Chengdu and that's where I stayed during the earthquakes and we had so many tremors during that time but uh it was it, it was it was so funny too because i can remember i was staying we we used to have the tom and eugene show and and tom is a guy one of my best friends from america who came from california and came to serve with us he worked with us for about 7 years inside of china now today he works with refugees inside of hong kong with a local church there in hong kong doing amazing work when he when he came and we were doing in 2008 we were doing he had just moved to Asia at that time, I think that he had come just the year before. And so he was helping me with the disaster relief in Chengdu. So we were staying in the same hotel room. And I remember as we were, we had the tremors, he jumped up and ran to the window and because we were having tremors, our room was shaking. And I, he said, you know, should we leave? And I said, no, you know, if it is an earthquake, surely, you know, they'll just sound the alarm. They'll tell us it's time to leave. And they didn't. The tremors kept coming. The building kept shaking. Our room kept shaking to the point where there were times where I would go to sleep and I didn't know if the shaking was from a dream or if it was real because it was happening so often. So finally, I put on my clothes and I went downstairs and I saw that there was nobody in the hotel. Nobody. At the Holiday Inn in Chengdu during 2008, all the staff when the tremors hit, they got out of Dodge, Jack. They got out of, they got out of that hotel so fast. They did not even let the, the customers know that they were going. They did, they saw the number of people that died. There were, there were tens of thousands of people that died from the earthquake in 2008. If you remember during that time, it's just before the Beijing Olympics. And so because of that, 
um, the, the hotel staff were not taking any risks. Nobody paid them enough to stay in and play hero and tell the guests that it's time to leave that hotel. That is basically this pyramid-looking disaster hotel that's in Pyongyang. Oriscom said that they would fix it for them and, you know, fix their mobile, the, 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 um, the elevator shafts with the money that they were bringing in from the mobile company, which they ended up bringing in really nothing. The North Korean phones rolled out around 2013 and 2014. And then finally, North Korea told the Egyptian company, Oriscom, thanks, but we got it from here. Once that Oriscom put in all that investment, once they put in all that money, once they set up all the infrastructure, once they got all of the systems in place, North Korea said, thanks, we got it from here. The next plane heading out to Cairo, uh, you should be on it. And they took over. And that's why... Uh, we have to be very careful with doing business investments inside of North Korea because that's how they work. Now, North Koreans do have mobile phones. This mobile phone system, Oriscom, did bring those, and that was a that was a good thing because one of the things that you might not know is that North Koreans have these phones, but it's on an internal system, a system that was built specifically for North Korea that doesn't allow them access to the rest of the world. It's just this own their own internal system. And the mobile phones, by the way, were not brought out so that – the people could be benefited. It wasn't brought out so that the people of North Korea could catch up with the rest of the world and have their own mobile phones. They actually came out as a balance between security, censorship, and surveillance. This electronic surveillance is was put in place to help the um, human surveillance that had been taking place. You see these phones that came out in 2013 and 2014 inside of North Korea, they had a special system on them called the signature system. And this, uh, the signature system is a software that made all unsanctioned files and applications unusable on the North Korean domestic phones. And they even, it even automatically deleted unsanctioned files off of any sort of micro storage device that you might have on your phone. So if you put in a micro storage device that had unauthorized files, this system called the signature system would automatically delete the files off of there. It was an amazing advanced technology that they've, that they were able to develop inside of North Korea. The software was automated in a way that it provided a sophisticated, um, supervision or surveillance on the person actually using the phone. So the person carrying around the phone automatically became a listening device, a seeing device, and a tracking device for the company. So basically, they were able to allow the company or allow the country to set up a centralized monitoring surveillance system, and then the country uh, that the citizens that got these mobile phones, more than two million of their of the people by 2013 had these phones, were able to assist the government by using these phones with the signature system software. And so anything that that the the files such as South Korean dramas or pop songs or whatever, the right away the North Korean government would know that you were using these files. It would delete it. 
but then it would track you and it had an automatic system that would track user history and it would even periodically take screenshots of your phone and save it in their own system. So even if you delete it from your phone, they would still have record of it. And I've never met anyone or heard of anybody that has been able to break the system on this phone and get away from that surveillance aspect. And so North Korea is able, has been able to track their citizens even closer than before thanks to the Egyptian phone company Oriscom. Now, of course, that was not their intention. Their intention was, you know, uh, from a, from a humanitarian perspective, they may have said, well, we're opening up the, the North Korean country to the rest of the world. From a business perspective, they probably said, well, this is a golden opportunity because they have zero mobile phones. We are starting from scratch. So we are coming in from the ground level and are going to be able to reap the benefits of all of our investment in infrastructure. Um, when the whole entire country uses only us as their telecommunication provider. But all of both of those ideas went down the drain. Their humanitarian effort for setting up telecommunications in North Korea went flush down the toilet. And the idea of making money uh, from North Koreans using their mobile phone company was flushed down the toilet. So right now we are seeing a country that is being has more surveillance on them than ever before. And because of that, what is taking place between North Korea and America is good for North Korea in the way of control. See, one of the things that I've been sharing about is the uh, escalating violence and the potential war between North Korea and America, which still is on the verge of battle. Neither side has backed down from the ledge. We'll see if this basketball diplomacy does anything, but neither side has backed down from the ledge. Now, you have not been hearing about it because we just had an election in the UK. We've just had two terrorist attacks in the UK, one in London on the London Bridge and one in Manchester. Uh, we've just had all these hearings with James Comey, the FBI, in the United States. We've had uh, these events taking place with the battle of ISIS and Mosul, which actually Mosul hasn't been in the news a lot lately. I will also have to do an inside scoop back to Jerusalem podcast on what's taking place in Mosul. I will be in Iraq in two days. So I will do a live update from Iraq. But what is taking place inside of China, I'm sorry, inside of North Korea, is that with the with the, uh, this ominous idea of going to war with America has just tightened up the grip. It helps North Korea keep control over their people because they're always saying that they're about ready to go to war with North Korea or with Americans, with the imperialists. They're about ready to go to war. They're about ready to go to war. They're about ready to go to war, which justifies all the crap that the North Koreans have to go through, all the torture, all the cutoffs, all the... All, all, all the, the, the starvation, the famines, the lack of food, the lack of businesses, the lack of opportunities, all of that stuff is blamed on imminent war with America. Well, after a while, people get tired of that. They, they're, they're battle fatigued, or at least fatigued from hearing about the possible battle. But with this escalation of the military, now, Kim Jong-un has a very legitimate reason for saying that there's an imminent war about to take place. Now, China 
is losing their control over North Korea. In the last month, it has become clear that China has been meddling with North Korea. They've had a lot of influence. They're the only ones with an influence, as I have stated over and over again. They're the only ones with significant influence over North Korea. But the North Koreans are starting to push away the Chinese and starting to become more friendly with the Russians. Now, Russia's, Russia's potential role in managing North Korea has been dismissed or even in the United States is seen as echoing that of China, not really significant enough. However, Russia is in a position to tip the scales to North Korea because right now China's influence is limited and Russia's influence is a little bit more vital. Now, keep in mind that North Korea is under uh, Russia is, of course, under no illusions that Kim Jong-un is to be trusted or that he can be radically influenced. They know that he can't. The days of the regime inside of uh, Russia keeping the children of diplomats and using them as pawns, as he did for North Korea as well as for China, telling Mao Zedong or uh, Kim Il-sung that if you do something that we don't like, well, then your children or your family member will suffer, like the Jersey Mafia, as I often compare North Korea to. But Russia does have more influence these days, and it's something that we uh, at Back to Jerusalem are keeping an eye on because there are so many North Koreans working and living inside of Russia that we are also reaching out to. Now, Russia has less to lose with North Korea falling to the south or, or a, a – now, they would have a lot to lose, of course, but they have less than China. China would receive most of the refugees from the battlefield if there was a battle that took place on their front. Most North Korean refugees would flee to China. China would have to absorb the economic disaster, and it would impact China's economy as well as the South Korean economy. It would be a much less of a factor for Russia. China would also lose its access to the ocean. Russia doesn't really have to worry about that because they already cut off China and their access to the sea all the way down to North Korea. They share a border with North Korea, but it's so small and insignificant that it's not really a real border. It's just a tip that it keeps China from having access to the sea in the northeastern part of their country, which makes Russia um, a little bit more influential when it comes to that portion of the world that's you know up around the Alaska Barren Straits area um, that, that, than China would have if they were there. So right now, North Korea has more control over their people than at any other time in the last 10 years because of this imminent threat coming from the U.S. and war with the U.S., which means that we have more access to different areas with the Back to Jerusalem missionaries than we've ever had in the past. So if you pray during this week, please keep the Back to Jerusalem missionaries in your prayers, those that are working inside of North Korea. And please keep North Korea and the North Korean regime in your prayers as well, that they would make the right choices, especially as it pertains to Pastor Lim from uh, Canada, who is still in prison inside of North Korea. And Lord knows they're going to need all the prayer they can get as Dennis Rodman makes his journey back to Pyongyang. Thank you so much for joining us for another Back to Jerusalem podcast. Again, my name is Eugene Bach, your host for this time, coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of China. God bless. God bless.